0: He's irreplaceable. It can't happen. We're all unique, but he's been so important to so many people, it's just mind-boggling. We all know why. It's not Tim Duncan to bring any attention to himself. We've been saying it for 19 years. He really only cared about doing the best job he could basketball-wise and being who he was for his teammates. I figured I'd better come out and do this and somehow say goodbye to him, which is an impossibility for a lot of reasons.
1: You are locked on Fantasy Basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore b-ball. We're back doing another of the team preview podcasts getting towards the end of the night. I think we've got less than 10 to go. And we're going to be talking about a team that's had some substantial changes, as you would have heard from the opening quote. Right? Even if you didn't hear that quote, you know the situation in San Antonio. No more Tim Duncan. Things are going to be a bit different. So we're going to be looking at the Spurs and what that means for this upcoming season. And to help me dissect the, uh, the sort of new look San Antonio Spurs, I'm going to be joined, or I am joined, by the host of the Locked On Spurs podcast, Jeff Garcia. Jeff, welcome.
1: Hey, you know what? You had to open up that show with that painful, painful <laughs> quote from Popovich. It just strikes me in the heart.
0: How sad was it? It was such a sad thing to see him speaking like that. It was just, look, I'm, I'm not I'm not a Spurs fan, but I'm a basketball fan. And it was just, I, I don't know, you, you felt like you wanted to cry, just the way that he spoke about
1: him. You know what, Josh? I knew it was over the moment when he walked off that court in Oklahoma City. Turned back to the court, looked back at the tunnel, yep. waved his hand in the air, and kind of said bye. And you knew at that moment it was done.
0: Yep, and it's it's exactly how everyone envisaged him going out. I guess just that's it. He's just gonna he's gonna be done. He's gonna send a fax through and just say that's it. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm finished. And it's exactly what it was. But it's gonna be tough in San Antonio, I guess, just to replace the the player he was. Not it. Not even necessarily on the court. Just his presence uh, around the team, around the league as well. He he is the San Antonio Spurs in in many regards, and it's a it's a new era. It's not a completely new era because the rest of the team is back, obviously. But there's going to be some uh, some changes. I think the Spurs are helped in a little bit Jeff in the fact that they didn't rely on him fully last season. He was down to playing, especially on offense, a, a bit part role. Um, so that helps in that sense. But still, his his absence is huge.
1: Yeah, you're you're telling me. I mean, I think absence is huge. Is probably an understatement of the year. It goes beyond the court. It goes into the locker room. It goes into the community of the Alamo City. It goes into the young players. Pop, I mean, Buford was in tears. Pop was in tears. Uh, you know, almost felt like a death in the family. That's what it really felt like. And but the Spurs collectively are moving on. They have to. They got no choice. You know, Duncan luckily is still around. He's it's reportedly is still at the gym working out with the guys. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I yeah, saw he's... a
0: report today. He's, he's thinking of taking on a full time position with the with the organization.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the way to go. Um, according to the report that you're referring to, he's always been in, interested in player development and scouting and stuff like that. And, and you know, great. As long as he is still a presence in the franchise, I think that's the best you're going to get. He's not going to coach. He's not going to be the assistant coach. You know, He's going to be behind the scenes, probably still working with the guys. You can't pull Tim Duncan away from the court. He's going to be in a basketball atmosphere as much as he can. So that's good news for Spurs fans, and even maybe just in NBA fans in general. Who I mean, you could already predict it out, Josh, years from now. You know, GM, Tim Duncan signs overseas prospect, you know, I mean, you can almost see it that way, but who knows, you know, TD is still going to be around the franchise, which is great because like you mentioned, this is almost a brand new team. Yeah. Now let's, let's, we've, we've talked about the, the reality that the fact that
0: Duncan's on there, but we've got to work out how that translates on the call. We've got lots of stuff to get to Jeff. So let's get to it, to it. He's retiring. What does it mean for Lamarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Linda, the two biggest stars remaining on this team? Is it is it a good thing in terms of their productivity this season, or is it going to be a negative impact on, on what they uh what they are able to do on the court with without Duncan
1: there to to be that defensive backbone? I guess uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit. Gosh, I hate to do this to you, but <laughs> I, I, it's it, it's a it's a, a double edged sword, and I'm going to go on the uh, yes side of it. Yeah, it's a good thing. No longer is Duncan going to be there to gum up the works on the offensive end. You you know, you really couldn't rely on him anymore. Perhaps Kawhi couldn't really see Duncan as a viable option to pass to in the post, in the paint. Uh, For Aldridge, the same way, too. So. You know, you remove that. I mean, I hate saying that Duncan gummed up the works offensively. It's painful to say it, but it's the honest truth. That's what happened last year. Everybody saw it. So it kind of now relaxes the guys. Kawhi and uh, LMA can now feel a little more comfortable that it's their team completely now. We saw that really with LMA last year. Early in the season – Lamarcus well, was reportedly still thinking, like, no, this is not my team. It's still TD's team, and it, it, it's it's Manu's, it's, it's Tony's. And it wasn't until about midway through that he finally just, hey, you know, I'm going to take the ball more and be more of the presence. Kawhi has been Kawhi. He's gotten better. So go figure, you know, losing TD. Sure, maybe there's not that person that can set a good pick for him, screen, get a rebound off the miss, pass back out. So, but nonetheless, uh, Kawhi still put up great numbers. Defensive Player of the Year it was in the MVP race. So, bravo! But then, no. At the same time, no. It's not good for them that TD's gone. He was six fouls. Uh, Aldridge and Leonard. Well, particularly Aldridge. Now they he has to guard or defend. I'm sorry, the pr- post presence. The, the you know for the opposing team, whether it be Anthony Davis, whether that be Demarcus, DeMarcus Cousins. Cousins yeah. Yeah, exactly. TD would take on that role of, hey, I'm six fouls. I'm no good to y'all in offense. So let me do what I can, you know, to get some. So now, you know, the burden is now more on Aldridge. And also, no for Leonard, like I mentioned, for the intangibles, the screens, the picks, the, uh, the, the, that floor general. And I don't, and his retirement even goes beyond just Lamarcus and Kawhi. You lost that floor general. I've said it in other shows and I'll say it again on this great show. You lost the, the linebacker, the defensive linebacker for the Spurs. Duncan shouted out to players. Hey, pick is coming. Hey, move here. Screen is on the way. I got it. Weak side defense. I'm coming in. You lost that. You don't really see that kind of vocal aspect from a Kawhi Leonard with something he's going to need to improve on next year. And, LaMarcus, is the same thing so you lost that huge huge presence defensively
0: when you talk about him you know calling out the plays and all that sort of stuff even from a, a, a metric standpoint defensive box score plus minus he led the league in in that metric last season and that that it's tremendous look for what he is at, at age 40 he was the best player by that advanced metric in the entire NBA. So there's a big factor there. And you talked about what that means for Aldridge. Um, he's going to be paired with Pau Gasol now more. So more defensive responsibilities comes onto him. But the other change I think that can happen with Kawhi and with Aldridge next season is the fact that Duncan, you said they didn't trust him necessarily on offense as much. And there's, you know, conflicted thoughts. You know, do we still give it to Timmy, even though it's not going to work that well? But the fact that Pau Gasol comes in, he'll play likely more minutes than Duncan. And he... Will have to demand more offensive touches than what Duncan did. Does that perhaps reduce the offensive output of say Aldridge and Leonard? Because Aldridge, after the All Star break, he was a 20 and nine guy. So he he you said the early struggles he had. Once he got settled, he was flying down the stretch. A 20 and nine is a tremendous output. But with Gasol coming in, playing an extra five to seven minutes a night, getting an extra three to four field goal attempts, on what Duncan got, are they coming from Aldridge or from Leonard, or is it just are they further siphoning it from Tony Parker?
1: You know, they're gonna have to um, share the ball. That's basically what it comes down to. Many are looking at Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, and the question now, who gets less touches amongst their core group? You could almost say it's like that, but in a lighter way in San Antonio among yep. the bigs. The Spurs are gonna be a big team next year. I know we're gonna talk about them later, but there's gonna be doing dead men. Of course, there's uh, LMA, there's Kawhi, and Powell. That's a very big team. But between these three core bigs, Aldridge, look, if Aldridge came to San Antonio to get that elusive ring that he's been chasing, then if that means for him to get less touches, so be it. Same goes for Kawhi. He's been there, done that. He played uh, with that beautiful team Spurs that we saw in 2014 versus Miami. He understood that it wasn't just simply give me the ball, feed me the ball, I'm taking over. No, they passed, they, they cut, they, they sacrificed. They're going to have to do that again. And and, and particularly with Pal Gasol, you're going to see that early on in the season because he needs to get acclimated to a new system, a system that is reportedly takes almost close to a full season to learn that you don't, really don't understand until your sophomore season with San Antonio. So you're gonna see him get more touches, maybe early on, just to get him a good feel for the system, uh, and also integrate him early. There's no use in him just kind of waiting in the wings till he gets it. No, throw him in the fire. He's a big boy. He's played in the NBA for an X amount of years already. So let him get going. Kawhi and Aldrich are gonna have to sacrifice touches as well. But you also brought up a good point that I never thought about. Tony Parker. Yeah. You know what? I think next year, Tony Parker needs to have the mentality of a assist first score later point guard. That's the only way I think this new crop of bigs are going to work.
0: Because yeah, look, we've seen the decline in Parker significantly over the last couple of seasons. Obviously Leonard and Aldridge are the best two players and you probably put power as what you comfortably put as the third best player on this team. So I think that's the way that the hierarchy will sort of have to go, especially offensively with power. But it, people are saying okay Kawhi's heading into his um fifth season now oh sorry fifth or sixth season this is his sixth sixth season yes
1: sixth season yes yeah,
0: he's heading into his sixth season oh he's going to take another step forward and I'm always when there's always a prevailing sentiment Jeff I always want to provide the the other side of the argument just like okay maybe he does start taking more shots but the transition from Duncan to Powell, is more shots going towards power. So the shots have got to come from somewhere. So they might come a little bit off Aldridge. They might come a little bit off Kawhi. They might come a little bit off someone else, but it's not a slam dunk to think, okay, Duncan's gone. This is Kawhi's team because his offensive load might, stay the same, or it might shrink marginally, and that's when we're looking at guys at the top. Now, Leonard's a, a comfortable top seven, top eight fantasy guy, but if you're expecting him to take a huge leap forward and become a top three guy, I reckon you might be a bit disappointed, because as you said, he's played in that type of situation where he knows that I don't need 20 shots a game to do it. Let's The team needs to win, and whatever it takes, I'll do it.
1: Yeah, it's team first in San Antonio, or as Pop says, every player coming through the door needs to check their ego. There is no literally they mean this. There is no I in team in the Alamo City, so you know. Like I mentioned, Kawhi's done there, done that, been there. He won a title because of that. The beautiful game. People forget about that. I mean, that was just an awesome display of basketball. The Spurs need to get back to that, and they need to get back to that ASAP. Uh, but I, I look beyond the addition, like it's hard uh, with Paul Gasol. Simply just the X's and O's. As far as on the offensive end, my concern is on the defensive yeah. end, because alongside Powell comes great offensive player, great uh, little mid-range jump shooter, you know, able to get get it get it done in the paint and rebound. But then comes that defensive or lack of defensiveness that Powell brings. Spurs predicate themselves on defense first. You want to toss in another name in there? David Lee. My goodness, mm-hmm. another, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there is, I think they should call him Avid Lee, not David Lee, but so I'm expecting the Spurs to have a drop off, not significant, nothing crazy, but teams are really going to be attacking that paint next year. They're going to be slashing to it. Gone is Tim Duncan, that great rim protector, David Robinson, the great David Robinson recently said in an interview with Sirius XM radio saying he felt that Duncan should have played one more year. Because of that defensive present that he can bring, he still brought it. It's gone now. That's completely gone. And you bring in, I mean, I wouldn't even say band aids because they're more like transparent scotch tape that's about to (laughs) wither and dry up with David Lee and Gasol on the defensive end. So, yeah, so I think Kawhi Leonard, he's going to have to prove he's the two time defensive player of the year. LMA is going to have to step it up defensively in that paint. And Danny Green, this is be the Danny Green defensively we saw last year. We'll get on to
0: Danny Green in just one second. But talking about um, about power coming across and changing the team, I can see this team, they were you know, historically great defense last season. I can see them you know, looking to be, okay, we're just going to go more offense this season and still have the, the defensive principles. But the fact that they'll be able to go from the best defensive player in the league and with Kawhi, and then the guy you know, like Duncan, who was right up there in those metrics, just putting in power, one of the best passing big men, shooting big men, and changing that to an offensive thing. I think that they could do that, and that that might be the way they focus the team. But on to Danny Green. Oh, he forgot how to shoot last season, it, <laughs> it, it appeared. It was a drop-off of almost unfathomable proportions. He took his field goal percentage down from 44 to 38. He took his free throw percentage down from 87 to 74. He took his three point percentage down from 42 to 33 after shooting over 41 percent in four straight seasons. What happened?
1: Uh, you know what? First of all, I think before I answer that, I got to crack open a beer and uh, just <laughs> drink uh, because that, 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 ouch that's all I can say. But <laughs> you know what? I, I, I look at danny green and what he did offensively and or more lack of what he did offensively it's just like i don't know something got into his head his shot was off i i don't i feel sorry i'm sorry for whatever i can't quote the source right here but source forgive me i think they broke it down like what could be ailing his uh shot and apparently he was leaning in uh too much into the shot throughout the entire season he wasn't being straight up and down you know, elbow in the mechanics just got lost but who knows i mean may, maybe it was a situation i mean i don't know anything I, you know as far as spurs didn't tell me anything danny didn't tell me anything but maybe the spurs asked them to focus more on defense because they knew they needed that perimeter defense with the likes of golden state trotting out Stephen curry and clay thompson and maybe it was a reactive thing i don't know and You know, you're going to get me in trouble here because Danny and I are actually, we're kind of good friends and (laughs) I spent a whole day with him recently, but you know, what I keep the little insight that I know, I mean, what, when I talk to Danny, I don't talk about basketball a lot, but when I did spend a day with him, he looked good. He looked ready. He was still in shape. Um, He was messing around with the ball and the court. He was putting up shots. He was making them. But you know, yeah, that's in a very controlled environment. He's relaxed. Uh, I don't know. Perhaps it could have been also the fact that Kawhi Leonard, you, you know, he stepped up his offensive game, in particular his three point shooting. It yep. was it was it was really good, and he deferred to him. But uh, I, I, you know, I I'm going looking at your outline that you sent me, and and was he a biggest bust last season? It for
0: for fantasy people were drafting yeah. him at about. He was going sometimes in the 40s, and he finished outside the top 120. So he was a significant drop-off because you know, he was a guy that was you know, 2.5 to 3s you know, a game. He could get you 1.5 steals potentially you know, over a block a game, and his and his percentages dropped way off. And when you get a fall of 12% from the free throw line and you know, 8% from the field, it's a significant drop-off, especially when part big part of his value is providing as many three-pointers as he did, and to go from 2.4 to 1.5 is, is a significant. We're talking, you know, almost five times values. It's not five times in total number, but in terms of actual impact in fantasy, a 2.4 is huge. A 1.5 is basically average, and it, it's it's a huge drop off, and that caused him to go from 41st to 157th. That, that were the exact numbers, so it's a pretty significant yeah. drop.
1: Yeah, for those playing uh, fantasy basketball, which I know this is what this show is focused on, I would I would still draft Green, but not as high. Yeah. I, I think you want to take a more of a cautious approach with Danny. But if he's on the waiver wire wire, I'm sorry, and where he's still undrafted and it's late in your pick, you know late rounds, go for it. There's only one way he can go next season. That's up offensively. Well, we saw it in the playoffs. So, he he shot exactly.
0: 50, 50% from three in the playoffs, 46% from the field in the playoffs. He got over two steals a game. That's the Danny Green that we we know. And you can get him around you know, after pick 100. And I'm all about about doing that. I don't think he, he might not get back to being a top 40 guy, but it could easily be a top 60 guy. He could give you two and a half threes, one and a half steals over a block a game. 44-85 as percentages. like Those things are, are not crazy that you could do. He's not going to score a lot of points, but he's the best shot-blocking guard in the game, probably. Um, assuming you don't count, say, Giannis as a guard, which you shouldn't. He's <laughs> the best shot-blocking guard in the game. A, a great defender. And then, you know, throw in the three-pointers. I think that he has a significant bounce back this season. He was, yeah, He was bad from a fantasy point of view. I definitely think that You should be having... And people will say, oh, I'm not drafting him because he killed me last year. That is a stupid mindset. It's ridiculous. If he's available late, you grab him because you might miss out on a guy at pick... Look, the fact that he's going to slide down 70 spots means that he just becomes tremendous value at that point. Yeah, He doesn't care that he let your fantasy team down last year. So you shouldn't care either. It's a new year. Grab him. Deal with it. Let's go. If it doesn't work out, then it's an easy drop. But... All probabilities are leading towards him, you know, actually getting back to what we've seen for four years in a row. Yeah, he's a safe late
1: pick. That's the best way to describe him. He's, he's, he's gonna bounce back. He's still gonna bring it defensively. He's gonna give you those intangible points, the steals uh, that many you know fantasy players uh, love to grab and have, and because it's so much of a point value to it. So, yeah, why not? If he's there, take him.
0: Palgosol. He's 36 years old. Um, look, he still looked pretty good running around in Rio for Spain, but he was really he was a big surprise in Chicago. His numbers had dipped significantly when he was with the Lakers in the end of his time there. Came to Chicago and put up two top 20 fantasy seasons, but we saw his minutes drop last season from 34 and a half down to 32. He heads now to San Antonio, a team that's notorious for for managing workload on older players. How do, how does he sort of shape up this coming season? I think there's no chance he gives you top 25 value because I don't think he's playing 32 minutes or 33 minutes. And he has to share the front court with another offensive guy like Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard as well. So I think we're going to see good numbers out of Powell, but it's hard to expect him to replicate what he did the last two seasons.
1: Yeah. His numbers should dip from last season with the Bulls heading into SA. 16 and a half points last year, 11 rebounds per game. Uh, you know, there's a, um, uh, sorry, excuse me. I've been dealing with the cold listeners, So, um, just please forgive me if I try to gather myself here. Uh, 46% from the field. So yeah, you're, you're going to see a dip, uh, definitely next year from Mr. Gasol. You mentioned before he has two players that he didn't have in Chicago. Now, alongside of him, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Aldridge. So consider that, that just think about that for a bit let that soak in. He had to shoulder the load more so in Chicago than he will have to in San Antonio. Pop is going to sit him. There's going to be those. He has dry skin, cannot play, you know, games, and sit him. Uh, and, of course, it'll come against a big team like the Warriors or, or, or yep. uh, the, the Clippers, you know, put him in the – sit him down in a huge game. But, again, another safe pick. Maybe he's there late or maybe middle. I see him middle. Middle, yeah. Yeah, you 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 snag him up because he's going to have his great game. He's going to be really good for for any fantasy league team early in the season because he's going to try to get acclimated to the season, uh, to the system. Once he gets it, then he that's when you see the fluctuation. The you're going to play a couple games, you're going to sit out one game, you're going to play 20 minutes one game, you're going to play 10 minutes one game. Uh so yeah, uh but is it? He's still a good pick. Yes, yes. Is he still going to give you a double double? Probably, or he'll get very close to it. He's going to get a lot of open shots when he's playing alongside Kawhi and LaMarcus because those two guys command double teams. Yeah, they command true. them, so they're going to have to pass out to him. And he and and the Powell is a threat on the perimeter as well as the as in the inside just as much as LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi are. So. If if Kawhi gets double team early and he passes out to Powell, boom, there's probably an outside uh, mid-range shot knocking down. If Co- if LaMarcus is being double teamed in the paint, there's that threat of Paul Gasol in the paint alongside with him. So he's maybe he's not a top pick, he's not a top 25 pick, but he certainly is in that that next level below. Yeah, he's in that
0: range, but for me, between 60 and 40, or that, that sort of mid range there. I think you might see his efficiency go up playing alongside Aldridge and Leonard, who are going to attract a lot of double teams. And we know that if Power gets space, he's not only going to be able to find those guys, but he put the shots away himself. He's a guy as a centre who can give you four assists a game, which is huge. There's not many of those guys that are around in the NBA that can get you so many centres as a big man. So he's a nice mid round guy, but there is the concern that I've got him projected so far at 30 minutes a night, but. He could play 27 minutes a night. We don't really know how they're going to do it. His defense might be a real concern next to Aldridge that that Pop can't play him 30 and only goes 28. I don't think think that'll be the case, but it's definitely not a crazy thought to think that he won't get to 30 minutes a night this season, is it?
1: No, it's not too crazy. You would see it maybe top-heavy, meaning top-heavy of the uh, season where he gets those pushing 27, 28, 30 minutes a game, again, just to get acclimated to the system. After the All-Star break, especially for the stretch run, that's where you're going to start seeing a lot of uh, DNP games uh, for, uh, like I mentioned, because he got a paper cut. Whatever. You throw it in, you know. Uh, but there's going to be those games. And it goes both ways, too, for Kawhi and LaMarcus. I mean, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if Kawhi doesn't play a couple games in, in the back end of a, back, of a back-to-back. LaMarcus gets maybe 10, 20 minutes, and then Powell gets a heavy – heavy dose of minutes. So I think with the Spurs bigs for those drafting, you can't go wrong for any of them because they're going to have great nights.
0: Oh, they they definitely will. And Aldridge is another guy who's going to be that second or third round player. There's not many big men who shoot 50% from the field and 80% from the free throw line. He's going to be one of those guys in that, and if you want to get one of those guys, you pretty much have to go early. You get him and Brook Lopez are two of those players that can do it. You've got uh, Ennis Cantor a little bit later who can do it. Jonas Valanciunas can do it. But there's not many 50 and 80 guys in those uh, in those two percentages. And Aldridge is one of those guys. Let's transition, Jeff, now to the NBA draft. Uh, Deontay Murray was picked with pick mm-hmm. 29. It was thought he could have gone a fair bit earlier than that. But the, the Spurs got him... I think it's a, it's a great spot for them to get him. In. And look mm-hmm. at their point guard situation. We've touched on Tony Parker. We'll talk about him a little bit more now. He's clearly declining. Paddy Mills is sort of what he is at the moment—a guy that's a tremendous scorer, a really good shooter. But in terms of point guard of the future, I'm not sure that Mills fits that role. Murray can go one of you know, a couple of different ways, but he's in the, a really good environment for it. We're in a really good spot being in San Antonio. What did you think of the pick when it was made? And it seems he's a little bit different to a lot of the Spurs guys that have come before in that he is just untamed athleticism.
1: You're you're absolutely right. Uh, Josh, I was at the uh, draft and when the Spurs selected him, I actually was the first uh, Spurs media person to ever talk to him and interview him. And during my interview with him, he what struck me was his tenacity and confidence where he had just finished his presser. He walks out with his handler, his PR guy, Asked the PR guy, hey, do you mind if I get a few minutes with him? Sure, go ahead. DeJounte Murray's first comment to me ever was, I'm glad I got drafted by the Spurs. I'm lucky to be playing alongside great veterans, but I'm also going to push them back. So I love that that, that, um, quote he gave me. So he has the confidence, but it's too early to tell. There's, I, I think he might be stuck in Austin for quite some time. And Austin Spurs, the D-League affiliate for San Antonio. And then there's the infamous Pop rookie treatment. I mean, if you're, you're young like he is, he's 19 years old. It's going to be hard for Pop to let the reins go for him to run wild and do what he can do. He, he has to prove himself in camp, in preseason games, and maybe early on in the season. And even to so a big extent in Austin with the Austin Spurs. He is a great player, but you brought up about the point guard position for San Antonio. And and I get it. I know you're a fast uh, fantasy basketball uh, show here, but there's a guy I want to toss out there and kind of like not draft him or, or maybe keep an eye on him. I think the Spurs point guard position is a big area of concern heading into next season. Parker's on his decline. Patty Mills is great. If we see the Patty Mills, in uh rio then yep. wonderful good uh but then after that the point guard position is a considerable drop off the 19 year old rookie Dejounte murray ryan archidiacono yeah that yeah and then after that and i think the, the one player that might that i was talking about that keep an eye on necessarily you know oh, he's in you know, a wow, he's a top 25 value and all the stuff. There's Nicolas Laprovitola, the guard from Argentina. He's not a traditional uh, kid coming into the draft. He's not a traditional rookie. This is a, a man. He's played with professional leagues for years. He's won bronze. He's won silver medals in Olympic high-pressure games. He ran the point guard position for Manu Ginobili's team, Team Argentina, and he's played alongside another new spur, Patricio Garino, also from Argentina. So he might be kind of like that sneaky guy that comes in and gets and gets that insurance spot, as far as the point guard position is on the roster. So, you know, I, I, again, for fantasy league purposes. Point guard positions at San Antonio, you might want to take a step back a bit. Okay, do I really want to draft a guard from San Antonio? I don't know.
0: Yeah, Tony Parker's a guy. Look, you talk about all the... There's a stack of point guards in the NBA. I, I I wouldn't be shocked if Tony Parker goes undrafted in some leagues because his minutes are going to come down. We saw him come down last season, and even when they're up. He's just—he's losing his effectiveness. He was always a high field goal percentage uh, point guard. That's coming down a little bit. What he has started to do is start to hit his threes at a little bit of a higher rate, but I don't think we can really rely on that cause he doesn't take many attempts. And he's hes not going to play 30 minutes a night. There's just no chance of Tony Parker doing that. Mills is going to be capped at a 23 to 24 minute sort of range. I don't think he goes higher than that. Um, interesting about uh, Laprovittola. You think that he gets that 15th uh,
1: spot on the roster? I, I think so, or he's definitely stuck in the injured reserve and wearing a suit for a long time um, behind the bench. I think he might sneak in to be that insurance point guard. I mean, yeah, he's going to play in Austin, but he might. I think he might sneak in uh, as that insurance because I, I don't think a lot of people are— I mean, I'm pretty sure they are, but I don't think they're not voicing it, as I am, about the point guard position in San Antonio. I really think about it. Yeah, it's Parker a concern. Is, it's a big concern. They're they're stacked when it comes to bigs. They're stacked when it comes to shooting guards. They're stacked when it comes to uh, small forwards. Their bench is gonna be you know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but I know everybody saying, oh, they're so deep and uh, this and that. But again, look at the bench. It's a, it's a bunch of unproven guys if they make it.
0: Yeah, there, you could, know, there could uh, be four rookies on this on this roster.
1: Exactly. So um, and to yes, to a certain degree. Manu Ginobili is sometimes the de facto point guard, but do you really want Manu and what more than likely is his last hurrah to be carrying that much more minutes and and, and out of position? I don't. Yeah. But so the point guard position is, is a, in my opinion, is a very big concern heading into next season. And again, for fantasy league purposes, be wary of San Antonio point guards.
0: Yeah. Parker and Mills to me are guys that you're looking at in 16 team leagues, and Murray's a guy that I really like in terms of dynasty purposes. And I look at it this way: is he was picked pick 29 in the draft. If it, if I'm doing a dynasty rookie draft, which is just rookies, I'm picking him before pick 29 in that situation. He's a guy I'd consider reaching up in even inside the top 15 yeah. of those rookies because his physical gifts. Jeff, like he's a guy that can you know, rack up rebounds as a point guard, a really strong, aggressive rebounder. Good steals. He can score. He he can, he can get the assists. His percentages are going to be a real. Uh, a a real concern, especially this season. Three-point field goal, free throws, that's going to be Mm. a concern, but the the potential that this guy oozes, the situation that he's in, you look at the opportunity of the guys who are ahead of him in two years' time, if things work out, he's got a clear path to a role with this team, and that's what I really like in those deeper situations. Murray's a guy that I'm not taking at 29, I'm, I'm going 15 Thirteen, twelve—that sort of range to try and draft him because, um, yeah, he, he really projects as a guy at some point could put up numbers, and that's what you were really looking for
1: at that point in a dynasty type of draft. Right, and uh, I think we're going to rename this show, um, you know, locked on to Dejounte Murray, because Josh <laughs> seems to be like a huge fan of Dejounte Murray, but uh, it, it's it's look, I I, I talked to other media uh, people, they uh, the sentiment is that. He's not ready, that DeJounte Murray is not ready for this stage. It's a part of me that kind of is doing the um, see new evil, hear new evil, speak new evil thing. But, you know, you forget he's 19 years old. Look at the players, like you mentioned, who are ahead of him. So hmm, will he be a good pro eventually? Yes, there's no denying that. Is it going to be right
0: now? Mm. Probably not. It's going to take a while. Let's look at free agency, Jeff. We've talked about Pau Gasol already. You mentioned David Lee's name in passing. We'll get to him in a sec. The guy I really want to focus on here is Dwayne Dedman, who um, came across from Orlando. Whenever he got an opportunity in Orlando, I thought he looked really good. He is a high-efficiency finisher at the rim. He's a, potentially the best rim protector on this team as it currently stands. He's a good free-throw shooter. He's a really good rebounder. Is I think that there's a, a slight chance that if the defense struggles a bit with the Gasol-Aldridge combination, that Gasol might lose a couple of minutes and Deadman might get them. And in a pairing with with him and Aldridge, he sort of, he doesn't replicate Tim Duncan, but he comes in as the defensive guy that Duncan was alongside Aldridge last season. And he could be, I think he's going to play quite a bit this
1: season. I agree with you. And you're going to see a lot of a uh, Deadman in on the court this upcoming season. Look, defensively, he brings it. You just mentioned the numbers, so I'm not gonna rehash that. But then he's a concern on the offensive end, though. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't have a good go-to shot. He kind of gets his points off misses, putbacks. You know, he's a trailer. They pass it to him. He dunks it. Um, he can. You know, if anything though, he might be able to get you a lot of rebounds. That's for sure. Some blocks, maybe a couple steals here and there. But he's a good player. I like him. The Spurs really haven't seen this type of athletic big since... I'm going to pull this one out of the vault, Josh. You ready? Francisco Elson. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then welcome to the Lockdown Francisco Elson show now. Uh, but or even a David Robinson. I mean, I'm not comparing the two. is no Robinson. But as far as that athletic big, the Spurs haven't had in quite some time. So they needed it, though. They definitely needed this injection of athletic, athletic big. Everybody saw... How the thunder just destroyed them yep. with that whole, uh, you know, what with Cantor and Adams, they just wrecked them. And the Spurs need to address it. So, Denman again, another solid pickup in your fantasy league again, but not a top twenty-five guy.
0: No, he's a guy that I would be looking as as a deeper league sort of player initially, but again, the potential there for him to to. Work himself into if he gets to twenty three minutes a night, then in twelve team leagues you consider it because it's a guy that could border on one and a half blocks a game. He took his free throw percentage up twenty two percent last season from fifty three up to seventy five. That's phenomenal. And that's over the course of the year. That's a significant amount. He also got more involved offensively. He went from six point nine field goal attempts per thirty six to nine. So he we're talking about a guy taking almost a thirty percent rise in the amount of shots that he took. He still finishes them fairly effectively. He's a a guy that over these three years in the NBA hasn't blocked less than two shots per 36 minutes. Solid rim protector. Hasn't rebounded under 11 rebounds per 36 minutes. So you know that if he's going to get mid-20 minutes, you might get eight rebounds out of him, seven rebounds, you might get seven or eight points, but the one and a half blocks, 56%, 57% finishing, not hurting you in the free throw area, maybe even getting you half half a steal a game, which in limited minutes is pretty valuable. He's definitely a guy I'm looking at. I've got him in a few deeper leagues already myself just because I'm hedging my bets on that potential concern with Gasol and Aldridge. I look at it or maybe maybe they have to just they have to just play Deadman because they're just getting pounded inside and they need someone in there to protect the rim because the the hole that Duncan leaves in that situation is huge and let's be honest, David Lee's not feeling it and Paul Gasol's not feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Deadman's the guy. Yeah. Deadman is the guy who is feeling that filling that role. Now, David Lee he was really he was poor last season. I know. He was really bad in Boston. Um, he shouldn't have played, he did, and then and then they finally got rid of him, which was the right move. He came to Dallas, had a, a ridiculous run of blocking shots for about four games, and then he went back to being bad again. Uh, there's a chance that he actively hurts this team when he plays, I, I believe. How do you see Pop using him? I think it's more, they're going to use him early on, and then they'll say, you know what, this isn't quite working, and he might find himself sitting on some nights.
1: Yeah, I, I, scratched, my, I scratched my head when the uh, Spurs signed him. Uh, You know, he's not the New York Knicks, David Lee. He's not, to a certain degree, the early Warriors, David Lee. Uh, I don't—I'm at the point of this when it comes to David Lee. If he can just come off the bench for six fouls, great. Uh, If he can just grab a few rebounds here and there, phenomenal. I'm not expecting a lot from David Lee. As a matter of fact, I don't even know why he's on this team if they preach defense. I, I don't know what's going on. I I I'm I'm am pulling for things sometimes. I'm saying, well, maybe they just wanted to keep him away from another good team. You know, like a, like a Warriors or I a would, Clippers. I would have let him
0: go to another good team because he could have actively. Yeah. Ex- them.
1: Exactly. Uh, I did a show recently with Locked On Celtics host John Corrales, and it was just about David Lee. <laughs> Needless to say, that show from uh, at least what, what I got worried about that show being one of the highest listened to shows on Lockdown Spurs because how so many people just don't understand David Lee. That told me a lot. and That's a great point because David Lee is supremely overvalued
0: in fantasy because he used to be a guy that thank got t- you so 20 much. and 10 yes. and everyone's like, oh, David Lee, should we do something with David Lee? David Lee's coming to the Spurs. He'll probably get 25 minutes and I'm like, no, he won't. And if he no, does, the Spurs not. will be yeah. bad and they'll lose and then they'll realize it and then he won't play those minutes. He might play 10 minutes, 12 minutes, maybe 15. And that's being generous. He's just really bad these days. And it used to be really good, but players get worse. And he's gotten worse. And when you can't do any of these things defensively, he's comfortably behind Dwayne Dedman, to me, in the rotation. Dedman, right. Aldridge, Gasol are the top three big guys. And then there's other options. They've got other guys that I would much rather see on the court. I'd rather see them put Kawhi Leonard at the four. I'd rather see them put a guy that we haven't talked about yet, Kyle Anderson, play him at the four. These guys are much, much better options than David Lee in that position, and he should be right down the rotation, and that's exactly how I see it. They also brought in a couple of other fours, um, prior draft picks that they had, Jeff. One that came in the Kawhi Leonard trade, a second rounder, uh, Davis Bertans, and another one of their first rounders from a couple of years ago, Livio Jean-Charles. Let's talk about Bertans. He's a a stretch pick. He's a stretch four. He's a a knockdown three-point shooter. He's not going to really get his hands all that dirty defensively, but in terms of bringing something stretchy to the team, which Lee's not going to do, and Aldridge and his do to a certain degree, right. Bertans is a guy that can go out there and hit 40% of threes. He's like a Ryan Anderson type player.
1: Right. Um. I, first of all, full disclosure, I am a huge Bertans fan. And yep. I will tell you why in a bit. Okay? He's, he's fun but to watch. Real, yeah, but real, real, just real quick, I, I don't want to knock you off your your your, your flow here, but... Going back to Deadman really fast, yeah. the one thing that I like about Deadman in the sense of his role is that because he's going to be playing alongside solid players, Kawhi, LaMarcus, maybe even Powell, he might be open for easy dunks. He might be open for weak side help when it comes. I mean, as far as weak side help for blocks, you know, they double team or or, or you know they send two guys. Um, and, and somebody uh, that's defensively and they get free, you know, Denman's there. I kind of like the fact that he's surrounded by quality players. Uh, that unlike that he had in Orlando, that might free up his game a little bit bigger. I think he may be able to profit from that. Okay. But we're going back to Bertans again, full disclosure. I'm a huge, huge fan. And I've been following his career ever since the Spurs, uh, traded for his rights in that Kawhi Leonard, George Hill draft day deal. Yes, you're right. Defensively, he's not going to give you a lot, but he has improved. This kid is aggressive and confident. and that, That's putting it lightly. He recently did an interview with the Latvian media where he's saying already he's projecting himself to be a regular rotation player. Okay. I mean, no joke. Uh, he's, he's saying he wants 15. He's going see himself getting 15 minutes. Hopefully one moment he'll get 30. The guy can shoot it like no other I ever seen, and he's silky smooth. He can he's learned how to slash to the rim. He's learned how to finish at the rim with authority. Uh, he, he he can pass out of the paint. He's you know people don't give his athleticism enough credit. He is athletic. I think a lot of people still think of him when this when uh, he was brought into the NBA when Indiana drafted him. You fast forward. To today and look at his recent highlights playing in a very good league, the Euro League, with Laboral Kuchta. He's he's a kid playing against men and playing very well. The guy is clutch. He won, he nailed X amount of game winners uh, for Laboral Kuchta. And he's he's just a confident guy. The knock on him, he's he's underweight, he's rail thin, and he's He's coming off two devastating knee injuries.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's the key thing. That the knee injuries yeah. cost him a. Cost him a lot of time, but in terms of a shooter, he is a guy that the Spurs haven't had a guy like this to play the four to shoot like he has ever really, or well, in recent memory. Um, he didn't play a huge amount in summer league; he played one game, but he he knocked in fifteen points and hit three threes at forty-three percent in that one game that he played, and that's exactly what he's going to do. And I, I think that he will be look, to me, he's a better option in the rotation than what David Lee is. He's going to oh offer he's going to offer more. Yeah, defensively they'll probably be similar, but in terms of his ability to get out and shoot that it's a key thing. And he is someone for, for those deeper sort of formats. But the fact that he's got some upside being a a younger type of player that, you know, when Aldridge has to sit or, or when Gasol sits, which, you know, will happen at some point, they'll miss a couple of games here and there. You know, it'll happen. Bertans can come in and he might knock down four or five threes in a, in a game might happen once, but it, it is something that, you know, that he's got the ability to do.
1: Um Yeah. And, 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 and one other thing I know you want to move on, but real, real briefly though, it, it once he does get on the court, he is a very, very capable three-point shooter, as everybody knows. So imagine what wonders that's going to do for a Palgasol and a LaMarcus Aldridge in the paint. Absolutely. Knowing that threat is out there in the three-point line. He shot 43%
0: uh, last season in all, in all competitions last season in the ACB, uh, EuroLeague, and the Spanish Cup. Yeah, 39 the year before, 46 the year before that. He's got a, a consistent history of of hitting threes, basically, and that's that's what he does and that's exactly what he's going to be doing for this team. Jean-Charles is a guy that, we're talking about knee injuries, he he suffered a knee injury just after he yeah. was drafted. He's been playing for Tony Parker's team in France, the, the team that Tony Parker owns, and with Tony Parker owning that team, they've been doing a lot of Spurs-type things in terms of the way that they, they run their offense and defense over there, so he's been in sort of you know, Spurs University, but abroad, You're studying under that sort of system, but he's got zero offensive game really at this point he's a (laughs) a shot blocker across the wing and at the four that's what he does he does defense but he's a he's he is to offense what luke marmute is to offense he just provides nothing there Uh, he's waited a while to come over is he just is he going to be an an austin player you think for this season oh yeah
1: for sure he's going to be spending quality time in the austin with the austin spurs and um and I think this was a situation where he was drafted. Um, you know what they do with overseas picks? They uh, Overseas picks, when they're drafted, they eventually come to a point where they can impart on the team that drafted him at one point and say, uh, I think it's called a um, request request for tender or something like that. Yeah. And meaning, like, okay. And say,
0: I've got, I want to come over.
1: I want to come over. And I think he exercised that. And the Spurs were like, fine, whatever. You're Tony Parker's guy. Come on over. He is not NBA ready. Uh, I it's almost like why I, I rather see them if they're gonna bring anybody over from overseas. I rather see Adam Honga come over uh, over um, LCJ. But yeah, uh, he's gonna be an awesome. Nope, did I lose you there?
0: Yeah, you, I think you're back now, Jeff. Okay, sorry about that. No, it's all right. um well, we don't need to talk a huge amount about it sean what you mentioned about hunger over there. There's another guy that I really want the Spurs to bring over, and that's Nikola Milutinov, who they drafted last season. Any word on in what he's if he's looking to come over you know, next season perhaps?
1: No, um I think he just he's staying overseas and he resigned with his current team and yeah, there's no um there's nothing in the radar, nothing on the horizon. The Spurs did bring over. Their 2010 second round draft pick, uh, Ryan Richards. Uh, His story is very interesting. I actually did a uh, an exclusive interview with him uh, actually a couple days ago uh, uh, on Locked On Spurs. I'm gonna really break it down for you very briefly. Okay, drafted in 2010, second round pick over uh, 49th overall. I'm sorry, 19 years old. The man is the kid is gifted. Big man plays like a guard inside, outside, three point shots post game can run runs like a runs like a deer, can pass everything you want. Okay? Then all of a sudden rumors about immaturity started springing up. He quit on teams, he bounced around on uh, all over the Middle East. He's played with the Swedish league, the Chinese league, the Iranian Super League. He's played everywhere and I mean everywhere, Josh. Okay? They got to the point when I spoke to his agent the Spurs almost gave up on this kid. They were that close. Recently, he turned it around. He got his head on straight. He spoke with me. He admitted it. But uh, this is his last chance. This is it. The Spur, If he impresses the Spurs, they keep him. If he doesn't, they lose his rights. They waive him. He can go to another team. Uh, according to his agent, a lot of other teams are interested in Richards. He didn't want to name him, but he did say that. So Richards is another intriguing guy. If he does make it, again, Austin bound.
0: Um, breakout candidates, Jeff. Who, who's a guy that you think, however you want to frame the criteria for breakout? Who, who's a breakout player on this
1: team? Hmm. Is it is it is it wrong for me to say, or maybe cheating if I say Danny Green? No, I mean, you is can that, say that. No, no. I mean, I don't know because I can it can go two ways. It can go Danny Green or Kyle Anderson.
0: Yeah, Kyle Anderson's uh, the one that I that I would have yeah. there.
1: Yeah. And Danny Green, obviously, you know, a breakout from his slump. I get that. But, yeah, Kyle Anderson, he has to – actually, of the two, he needs to be the one that has to have a breakout season. I think he – it's more important for the team that he steps up his game. They lost Boris DL in the offseason. Boris DL was a Swiss Army knife to do everything big. Three-point shot, pass from the paint, score, uh, with quick – nice dimes – you know good picks with that very big rear bottom that he has and uh but he's gone now he's gone and enter Kyle Anderson who can do almost the same thing as Boris Diaw yep. he can hit the three he can shoot from the mid range he can pass he can slash to the basket but he's younger and he's a little bit more athletic his you know what his game reminds me of a lot of Paul Pressy okay. uh, I know. if he could just he could just watch Paul Pressy's highlights then he'd be good and i'll take that any day uh they call him slow-mo but he's not slow um he needs to have a breakout season he's entering what his third year in the league his third year in the league so i expect if anybody is going to have a breakout season it's going to be him with that increased minutes on the court and he cannot rely on oh i'm just a rookie oh i'm just a sophomore oh i'm playing behind boris diao no no it's it's his time and it's now He's going to play some... He plays the three. He'll be the backup three behind
0: Kawhi, but he's going to play a fair bit of four as well, I think. He was a guy that almost was ranked inside the top 170 after the All-Star break last season in just 20 minutes a game. I think he gets more than that this season. He's a player that can be one of those... Yeah, the guys that that sneaks in those low end triple doubles, yeah, ten, ten, ten type of guy. He will have a couple mm-hmm. of those in his career. Maybe not this season, but he blocks shots at a decent rate. He gets steals at a really good rate. He has really good percentages. He can hit the three, sort of. He, he's not a great shooter, but thirty three percent after the break is is not bad, and that might give you half a three a game. To me, he is a player. If I'm in a, if I'm in the last round of a draft, I'll, I'll happily take him and just see oh, exactly yeah. how how it plays out because. He might, instead, I've got him projected at 24 minutes. He might get 26 minutes, and he might be that guy, and that gives you you six rebounds. It might give you three assists and one and a half steals and .6, .7 blocks, really good percentages, very nice numbers. We've seen him just, just... dominate summer league the last two seasons and that's exactly what you should do when you're at his age and his development but he goes out there he took care of business and he just he tore it apart this season he tore it apart so much that he said you know what I'm done after one game (laughs) he said I don't need to be here anymore and the Spurs said you're right but he wanted to go there he wanted to show show what he can do he wanted to be there with his teammates as well I really think he's, he's a big step forward player this year. When he he was drafted, I thought this is the Spurs got this quite big 30. He can do a whole bunch of stuff. He's going to fit perfectly behind Dow. dow has gone. The window's here. It's time for Kyle Anderson to show what he can do. And again, I wouldn't be surprised to see lineups with Leonard and him on the floor playing the three and four together.
1: Yeah, and that's going to be a great tandem on the court for San Antonio Leonard and... Uh, Kawhi, and I might even toss in there Jonathan Simmons. Not necessarily a breakout, but as far as having a a very good sophomore season.
0: Well, Simmons is the next guy, probably the only guy we haven't really touched on on this roster. An undrafted player who, um, really weird story with him from last season in Summer League. He played for the Nets Summer League team and then the Spurs just said, oh, cool, here's some guaranteed money. Can you come and be one of our players now? <laughs> yeah. And he went, yeah, cool, I'll do that. But he actually was really good last season. He, I think he, yeah, the, the Nets had him. There were, he was under their nose and the Spurs just came in and said, guaranteed contract two years. You're coming with us. He did. He played, I think, more than a lot of people would have anticipated. He played 15 minutes a night. He's going to have to take on a little bit of an expanded role this season as
1: well, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, that's for sure. The Spurs want to get athletic and younger. Well, they had it, it. it all along. This is it right here. Jonathan Simmons is everything that the Spurs needed to address in the offseason, all wrapped up in one player. Big, strong, young, athletic. The knock on him, though, is, one, his inexperience in the NBA. He's going to the sophomore year. He kind of fell into the dog uh, the, the doghouse with Pop late in the season. He was almost buried in the bench, non-existent. What he needs to do, though, he needs to stop being... That No, no, continue being that slasher to the rim and dunk with authority and, you know, throw a wild card at the opposition. But he needs to already like, okay let's work on the all around game now. If he can develop a nice mid-range shot, that'd be phenomenal. They'll be so phenomenal where he can just open up that lane for himself. I also expect him as well to simply just get more minutes on the court. Uh, They're going to rely on him more. I think they need to. I think they just need to start infusing their younger players. He's part of that youth movement in San Antonio, so expect Jonathan Simmons to increase numbers, increase time. But again, I say maybe in the later rounds you take him.
0: He needs to. He, he's a guy that I don't think he's a, a standard league draftable guy. But he's a guy, and this is we talked about the point guard issues already, Jeff. He, I think he has to step up and actually handle the ball a little bit because the starting lineup with Danny Green and Leonard, Aldridge, Gasol, like they're not really guys. Like, you know, Kawhi can handle it a bit, he can pass it with, but these aren't guys that are considered real secondary ball handlers. Kyle Anderson's one of those guys, but they don't have these other players who they can necessarily throw out as a secondary or, or tertiary ball handler. I think he's got to develop that part of his game, and if he does, that might give him an extra couple of minutes as well.
1: Oh, oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I mean think about this too. Uh, an explosive player like that, you yeah. know, handling the ball, you know, he could explode into the rim and really cause havoc for defensive for teams on the defensive end. So I like Jonathan Simmons, but I, you know, for me though, just in my personal opinion, my personal jury is still out on him.
0: Okay, that's that's fair. Look, he's he's had yeah. one season. We've got to We've got to see what, what where it comes exactly. from there. But you know there's a. There's there's potential there in the Spurs, yeah. Unearthed him off that off that Nets summer league team, and and here we are now where he's got himself a, a pretty considerable rotational role on a on a team that won sixty seven games last season. Um, I think we've covered pretty much everyone on this team now. Uh, Jeff, what's a, a bold prediction you've got for this squad?
1: A bold prediction. Wow, you know I've been thinking about that. Um, you know I've been asked that question a lot in the off season, and about the only. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a bold prediction. I would call it more of a, you know what, it doesn't surprise me uh, prediction okay. um, that the Spurs again have a phenomenal regular season, but somehow, some way trip up in the postseason as we saw in past seasons. Spurs won sixty seven games, a franchise record. Almost went to undefeated at the AT and T Center last season. Uh, lost one game. They looked like world beaters in that first game against OKC, just decimated them, and then the wheels fell off. Uh, there's a part of me think that that might happen again. Uh, they're gonna have a great regular season, but you know what? They're they're just still there's something missing there, and and I still think that they have they brought in an influx of young players, just young players that are not ready yet, and I think that might be their demise towards the end. We kind of mentioned it, or at least I kinda of mentioned it early in the show. I said the bench. I said the Dude. bench is suspect. I wouldn't call it a bold prediction. I would call it more of a well, you kinda of saw it coming prediction. Their depth might actually be suspect now. I don't know if they have all the horses. So that kind of leads me into this. Maybe one of their big trades, quote unquote, is maybe simply waving at David Lee, like we mentioned and signing some sneaky player in the waiver wire or some small little trade, that one little move that puts them over the top. I think I can definitely see that. Yep,
0: yeah, Everything you said there makes a uh, complete sense, Jeff. So it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting season, a, a transitional season, obviously for San Antonio, but their, their transitional season still result in 55 plus wins. So I don't think there is too much of a yeah. concern there, but it, it's going to be a change. It might be a change in game plan, a change in focus. Lots of things can happen with the San Antonio Spurs. Now, Jeff, Thank you for for coming on. Can you just uh, let everyone know a where to find you on Twitter and uh, and what's happening with set, uh with Locked On Spurs and anything else that you've uh, you've got happening at the moment as well?
1: Uh, yeah. Before I do that, I, I take it you're wearing your Paddy Mills jersey right now because you know he must be he must be God back home I, in Australia.
0: I, I've I've currently got two Spurs jerseys hanging up behind me. Neither of them are Paddy Mills one. I've got a I've got a Kawhi what? one and I've got a Lamarcus Aldridge one hanging up behind me. Yeah. Now Mills Mills is a uh, especially over the Olympics he was uh, fairly highly regarded but we got we got a few guys over here Dellavedova obviously Bogus, yeah, Exum yeah it's the the love gets spread yeah obviously Simmons is, Simmons is going to take over I think this season in terms of um, spotlight for for Australian players in the NBA this season but Mills is a, is definitely a favorite over here especially when he was going off and scoring thirty a night in Rio
1: yeah exactly uh yeah I, I so always curious because. As Spurs fans, we know how Parker is seen in France. He's like beloved. Same thing goes for Mono Ginobili. Yeah. and even to an extent, Tim Duncan in the Virgin Islands. But I just see and like on, on online and videos just how adored Patty Mills is.
0: Yeah, now he, he's he's yeah. been a, a legend basically for for uh, for our Olympic team, especially for a national team, and obviously for what he's done. We've got we've got a few guys who have won rings over in the NBA, but he was I think he was the first one of them. I saw, yeah, aside exactly. from Luke Longley he was the first one in the, in the modern era.
1: Oh and they definitely brought pride to the uh to Australia with their play in Rio. So, you know, kudos to you guys, yeah. Yeah, if only we had yeah. got that uh
0: got that medal yeah. over over Pau Gasol and in uh, Spain, which is uh, an yeah. unfortunate end and Patty was involved in that unfortunate end as well.
1: It's too bad you're in Australia right now, and I'm in the States. I mean, I can can see us having a beer right now talking about this and just uh, chilling (laughs) at a bar, watching the old footage of the Spurs and uh, playing X, whoever they're playing. But anyway, yeah, so, yeah, people can find me on Locked On Spurs right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Kind of mentioned it earlier. I did an interview with Ryan Richards. It's a very revealing, open, honest interview for Spurs fans that have already pretty much put him buried in the doghouse. It's a very touching one, too. Go listen to that. And, of course, you can find other interviews on there from Danny Green to David Robinson, many others. Go check it out. I'm also the uh, Spurs beat writer for two local stations in San Antonio, news4sanantonio.com, fox29sanantonio.com. Go there. Check out all my writings. And if you wanna, if anybody wants to call me or contact me, I'm sorry, Garcia 74 at gmail.com.
0: Go ahead and and, and, uh, check out Jeff and all those uh, areas. Locked on Spurs, yeah, the interviews he's had on there have been great. I haven't listened to the Ryan Richards one yet, but I have listened to the Danny Green and David Robinson ones. So go and check out uh, everything at Locked on Spurs. You can subscribe to that. You can subscribe to this. You can subscribe to the Locked on Network as a whole. There's a Locked on NBA feed you can do now as well. But go and uh, spend five minutes. Give myself a five-star review on iTunes and give Jeff and Locked on Spurs a five-star review as well. That would be tremendous if you guys could do that as well. Jeff, thank you for coming on. No, thank you. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
1: Rush into Old Navy today for this can't miss one day deal. 50% off all Old Navy active for the family. Get the workout wear you need at a huge 50% off one day only today. Hurry in or miss out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1020, select styles only, excludes in store clearance.